0: We've traveled together for years, but at last, we're approaching our destination. Relativity, the final episodes. Beginning July 20th, 2020, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Comics. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to start out by welcoming back someone that we've not talked to for a while, we've not seen for a while because of everything that's been going on, but I'm glad to have him back with us, and this is none other than Dietrich O. Smith. Dietrich, how are you? I'm doing
2: good, Kyle. I'm doing good. Good to uh, chat with you guys again. Like you said, we can't see each other face-to-face because uh, the COVID-19 has hit us, but it's good to chat with you guys.
1: Before we get into what's going on with the industry, because I I have some questions that I want to ask you about that. I also want to say welcome back to none other than Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you?
0: Doing good, man. Uh, And as always, happy to be on and chat about things, (laughs) in this case, comics. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, glad to be talking to both of you. But Dietrich, I want to talk to you really quick. And, you know, we're not seeing you at conventions because there's really no such thing per se quite right now as conventions going on because of the pandemic. Just want to get your ideas on how this pandemic has affected the comic industry as a whole, and just some your overall thoughts? Well, as a
2: whole, you know, it, it had quite of us going crazy not being able to, you know, run to the uh, store, you know, every Wednesday and grabbing a book. You know, everybody's going for the uh, curbside assistance right now. And, you know, with the delays, what, what, what did we have, like two months before um, Marvel or DC or any of the other At least. guys? Went, yeah. yeah, it was like two months before they, they went back to press. That was that was a uh, kind of a shocker for us and, you know, in a few stores, um, you know, one of the ones that I'm a big fan of and love to attend, um, weren't able to, to make it through some of these uh the, the pandemic, you know, with, with the um a lot of the businesses having to close their doors. A lot of a lot of those doors weren't able to reopen, you know, which is sad for this industry as well. But and how you said no conventions have been around, that's that's a major revenue, major, major source of, you know, income. For a lot of independent creators and a lot of bookstore owners and, and, and convention runners themselves. So this this has been really
1: tough for us all around. So how do you see the comic industry on the other end of this? Because there has to be, hopefully, another end to this. You know, There has to be a light at the end of the tunnel. We may not feel it now. But do you see this transforming the comic industry as a whole?
2: Well, I'm hoping it rejuvenates everybody. I'm hoping, you know, now that a lot of stores have have been fortunate to reopen, I'm hoping this makes everybody go like gangbusters, you know, every Wednesday and stock up as much as they can at the books that are being republished and put back out. And, you know, I don't know when uh, the conventions (laughs) are going to go, but I'm hoping that everybody comes back in full force when they, uh, each state is given clearance on, you know, holding major events. Well, from what I'm hearing, a lot of friends that have been doing things through Kickstarter, doing things online, this has helped them grow a bit. So I'm I'm happy on that end. I'm sad that the major publishers and the, and the um, artists that working for them have, you know, been put in a financial bind without the books, you know, being published. That's, that's a big crutch for us creators. We can't survive if you know, you don't, want to pay us to you know draw a book or write a book or color a book or letter a book but like I said the independence from what I'm hearing it's, it's been helping them out quite a bit because even though you're not able to step into the store hey you're able to uh, buy be uh, brought to light on a new new Kickstarter project or IndieGoGo project or anybody that wants to do commissions or Etsy's Instagram account or counter any way that they've been able to been reached, it's, you know, like I said, it's good for independence, but as a whole, as, as a whole nation, you know, we're all hoping that this gets under control so we can get somewhat back to normal and spend money on the things that we love, which is comics yes. and seeing those and seeing those movies in the theaters, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> it it definitely feels like there's a huge paradigm shift from physical to digital, something we've been moving to slowly over the past 20 years. When I look at how movies have kind of shifted just ever so slightly and, um, you know, Netflix and, and digital TV services are doing pretty good right now. So I just kind of wonder, like, have, has it been a similar shift in the comic world to where digital has taken off or um, are people still opting to wait for their physical books? Has, has the digital industry grown over the COVID epidemic? I, I don't know if Comixology did well or not.
2: I am i haven't really tried to, you know, get too curious in anybody else's affairs, you know, financially like that. But I would think that, that Comixology and all of these other digital websites, they survived. Their business increased, you would think, you know. There are a lot of people that want to wait on that, you know, book in hand, like me, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's, you know, comicsology is good, but you know how it is. You want that in your hand. So I, I'm, I'm like, I don't know, 70, 30 on comicsology. If, if I can't make it to the store and I'm just so anxious to read it, you know, then I'll, you know, then I'll spend it on comicsology or whatever, or wh- whichever indie, you know, is wants to, you know, sell it online. And I'll read it through PDF, but I would rather wait you know, yeah.
1: to have it in my hand, you know, it's interesting. You know, we're talking about the things that are going on with the COVID-19 and how that's impacted the industry. But really what I find another thing to be interesting in its own way when we spoke to you the first time back right after we had met you back in 2017 you had been working on a book for boom studios called destroyer and for anyone who is not familiar with this we will have a link up on our website that you can go and look at this book and purchase it via comiXology or amazon if you want a hardcover the destroyer just to give a big summary of it. The legacy of Frankenstein's monster collides with the socio-political tensions of the present-day United States. It is written by lauded novelist Victor Lavelle and illustrated by the amazing Dietrich Smith. Destroyer is a harrowing tale exploring the legacies of love, loss, and vengeance placed firmly on in the tense atmosphere of the current events in the modern-day United States. Now, this came out in Collected Edition in 2018. And what I'm keeping going back to in my head is the tense atmosphere of current events, modern-day United States. We're two years removed from when this book was published. And unfortunately, we're still seeing some of the same themes playing out. As one of the creators of this work, Dietrich, where do you, do you remind yourself? Are you reminded about this story when you turn on the news and see all the things that are still going on? <sighs> Kyle, it is so
2: sad that book is still so relevant and it's, it doesn't seem like it's relevancy dropped any, any bit when it first came out. Like you said, three years ago, that's the sad part about it. Like you said, the main story is about um the last descendant of Frankenstein loses her son to police brutality to a police um uh, homicide and that is what what would, seems to be taking place since the book came out and is pretty much escalated to what we're seeing right now because we we don't want to give too much of the story away but we want to touch on you know what it is and like you said it's black lives matters is out in full force right now and people have gotten sick and tired of dealing with it. And, and it has taken the nation, it's taken the world by storm with what took place with George Floyd, what took place with Tamir Rice, uh, Breonna Taylor. This story resonates so much with it. I wish this could like be on every child's or, or every student's PDF, laptop, tablet, phone. If they could read this book right now and see how it relates, you know, it, it would it would be it would be beneficial to a lot of people, getting back to what the story is about. Victor wrote a tale three years ago dealing with the police police murder of a uh, the last descendant of Frankenstein. I think he started the story I, if I read this in issue five synopsis. He had – I think the idea came to him from – I don't know if this occurred. Was it 2016, 20, 2015? But I don't – Clarence and Kyle, I don't know if you guys remember the um, the elderly Indian Indian gentleman that was here in Madison, Alabama. I'm actually in Alabama. People don't realize that. About the um, elderly man that was walking in the neighborhood and someone called the police because they thought he would look suspicious. And the police ended up coming and um um causing him harm. I can't remember if he ended up being partially paralyzed, but I think that I think that is like one of the genesis of um how Victor got the story started. Do you guys remember that story, that news article?
0: Yeah, I do not.
2: And I think that's how Victor um said he got the idea to start it. And like you said, Kyle, you that that was one of the main parts that we had talked about when I discussed with you guys on the podcast a few years ago or is that scene um when Akai, you know, is walking home. And I think this is where Victor said that that whole idea began, you know, when he's walking home and the neighbor calls and they see a black boy walking with what they think is a weapon and it's not, but you know that's how his his death occurs.
1: Yeah, you know I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm picturing it, and it the imagery of it was so powerful, and I just wish that we as a nation could just be better. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's funny, like when you go back and read some of these media,s whether it be comics, whether it be television shows, that you know at the time felt very relevant, that and we were still in it. But it could resonate that way, but it's it to me it feels sad when we still have to look back at these and see that it's <laughs> nothing has changed, we've grown none, so right. yeah I, I I can't wait for the time that you know twenty years from now we can look back and we can see these stories and say, "Oh, that was a different time, but unfortunately, <laughs> it remains relevant, and you know um hopefully we can continue to grow and get better as a nation, you know.
2: I think what got me more emotional and more sad is when I saw an article and I think I posted it. I saw a, um, a video of a father that was away from work and he video recorded his son that was outside uh, playing in, in front of his front yard. And the police drove by and the kid was bouncing his ball and then he hid behind his truck. That was in the front yard and as the police pass. And that's what got me like, that's what made me think of Destroyer and made me think of Akai as a youth and made me think of so many youths that are, you know, how, you know how it is when you're young and you played cops and robbers and you wanted to be the, the good guy or you wanted to be the bad guy. But now kids, you know, nowadays, no one wants to be the cop, you know, yeah. because they're afraid of of the police. And that's, I guess when I saw that, that's what made me think, man, Destroyer came out a few years ago. And that book does not seem like it's the topic of is is ever going to die down in America. It's like that book is going to remain in everybody's bookshelves is going to remain a hot topic for, for life, it just seems. And it made me think, of my family and my my cousins and my nephews and my nieces, who I actually used a few of them as models for the book Destroyer. I, you know, I want to pose. I want you to do this pose, do that pose, punch, punch like this, punch like that. And then, you know, when I saw that video of that kid, that made me think of them as well. And you know, I you know I have discussions with with my relatives at points. And you know they're they're street smart. They know they they're savvy. They they know what to do when they're out out and about. And you know they always try to remain uh, respectable on any elder that they see or any gentleman or, or madam that they see with with respect, addressing them with sir or ma'am. But their lives are the things that are you know most important, and they're the ones that are going to be the change. You know that are, that's taking place in all of this. I think I made this post earlier i said you know you are who you are you know what's taking place with protest and with with these demonstrations people that see it on fox people that see it in on cnn it's not changing their opinions they're they're going to be the same way that they are you're not going to wake up tomorrow and say you know what those black guys they're not that bad you know maybe i shouldn't beat them with a stick you know tomorrow you know that's 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 not how it's, you know, going to go. It's it's all pertaining to the youth. It's all pertaining to how they are trained and, and how they're taught. And so that's what makes me so frustrated and so sad when I, you know, see what's taking place, you know, right now. Let them read comics, you know, safely and not be worried about, you know, are things going to get better when when I become an adult Are am I going to still, you know, have to be wary of the police? Am I going to have to be wary of this person or that person because of my skin color.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, the sad thing is we live in a society that I being the skin color that I am could go out right now and be very disrespectful to a, to a policeman. And chances are, if I were to say the very exact same words that either one of you were to say that there is a very, very less likely chance that I would be, arrested or whatever than the two of you may be. And that as in society, we've got to be better than that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And like I said, you know, I, you know, if I've ever pulled over, you try to do the respectable thing. You try to show restraint. You, you don't want to act out, but you know, if you're not given the same respect due, then it doesn't matter how you carry yourself.
0: Yeah.
2: Avoid bad characters. But if you are ever, you know, pulled over by the police or questioned, give them a yes, sir or a yes, ma'am, you know, attitude as well. Answer, answer with respect. Show your hands at all times, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, for sure. You know,
2: it's not something to laugh about, but I mean, it's just it's it's horrible that you have to give them training on how to act if you're ever pulled over by the police, you know.
0: Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. No, I'll just add real quick. Yeah. C- certainly. Um, it, it's sad that you have to teach that to your children and that my dad taught it to me. And honestly, the only thing that I think is going, going to, to fix the situation is time, the new generation. And, uh, hopefully they can come up unaffected, which is impossible, but for the most part, unaffected. And it, it's, it's just going to take time, new generations and, and. Younger people, like you mentioned, younger people coming through and and hopefully have a different perspective on these things.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. As like I said, yeah, that's where it all that's where it all the change is really going to stem from. It's it's not going to be from us old heads, because us old heads aren't going to change much. Too many opinions. With, yeah, with fellow old heads, it's gonna it's gonna be the youth.
1: And I'm going to add in another factor. It's also going to be when the old guard, whatever the old guard may be, when they are, and unfortunately, you know, it's not like a change of heart, a change of mind, but when they see an impact to their pocketbook. And if that pocketbook is negatively impacted, that could also spur change because I don't think and I I may be being a pessimistic here, but I don't think that the people of Mississippi or the legislature of Mississippi just in the last month had this awakening of social justice. I think they had an awakening of social justice that was impacting or that was going to negatively impact their pocketbook. But the good thing that came out of that was the Mississippi flag is changing. There's no more Confederate flag and coming November, you know, we'll have a new flag. So yeah. there is change. And, and, and that is something positive that we can say that it is taking the younger people, but it is also taking a pocketbook and it's also taking time, but change is happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is happening. But you know, like I said, four or five months, let's, let's see how things, you know, are, you know, yes. is this just all PC for the cameras right now? You know, are, are we really going to see any any difference? You know, I think, you know, we've just been hit with two big, two big plagues at the same time. You know, the covid plague and the uh the plague of racism, you know, really being addressed right now. But let's see five or six months from now. Let's let's is it really change really coming about? Like you said, Kyle, or is it just, you know, for financial figures? Is is it just to appease to appease everybody right now in the public and on TV? just for monetary factor.
1: Yep. And I don't want to be too much on the nose here, but I think I am just going to go ahead and be on the nose here and say, if you're listening and you're not registered to vote, please go register yourself to vote. And on election day or whatever your local state method of voting is, we all have a voice and every vote matters. So it does. It does does indeed. Yeah.
2: And, 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 you know, sad to, um, to bring up that, uh, John Lewis, uh, passing, but I, I saw someone make notice on, um, I think I posted it as well. I keep running on things i posted, but, uh, someone posted that, uh, the bridge that he marched on in Selma actually needs to be changed because what is the name of it? Um, Edmund Pettus. I think so. Yeah, Edmund Pettus, who was a Confederate, uh, soldier and, uh, I think a grand, a grand dragon, grand dragon of the KKK. That's, that's who the, um, bridge is, bridge is named after. Let's, let's change that to, uh, John Lewis's name.
1: So an interesting John Lewis story, really, really quick, and and this will actually relates to comic books. Clarence, this comes from your Relativity Podcast co-star, Elena Jordan. She posted where John Lewis had gone to a Comic-Con dressed in the same trench coat and the same backpack that he wore on that bridge and basically took some children and did a march around the Comic-Con that he was at. I saw that. I saw that. So very cool. And, and, and tying it back into comic. Kind of transition to something else you've been working on, literally called Pray for the Sinner. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Pray for the Sinner?
2: What that book is, that is with a, a longtime friend, Rod Michaels, who I've known for like, I don't know, 25 plus years. It was when I first got my start at um, Image I met Marat there and so we've been, you know, like I said, long time friends and he he always has ideas that he throws me and he's, so his latest idea was a book and this is, this, this book reminds me of Tarna from heavy metal. Do you remember her from um, the heavy metal movie? She was the um, badass take no nonsense warrior in the heavy metal movie. And this, the story that he pitched to me gave me that type of feeling. It took me back to that eighties as a youth of, um, a badass actress. I mean, a badass assassin. And so what the story is about is, um, it's, it's, um, set in the future and it's a, a doctor named, uh, Cynthia Kemp, who's a, a psychologist and she works at a prison that houses alien, um, beings, alien monsters, but they're all villains. So she works at the prison and the the aliens actually end up escaping and uh, killing a bunch of the guards and attacking her, torturing her, cutting her to shreds, uh, dropping acid on her and leaving her to dead. But she ends up um, recovering months later. But when she recovers, she ends up empowered somehow, which will be told in the future uh, episodes, future uh, issues but she goes on a quest for revenge, and that's what the whole story is about, you seeing her on a revenge tour at these um, prisons that assaulted her, you know, a year or so ago. But like I said, it, it took me back to that whole, like, heavy metal time, you know, when, when I when I watched that as a youth, and it made me think of, of, of her. And so, you know, like I said, always has so many ideas, but this one, I just thought… And, and he and he told me, dude, remember how you had that wild, crazy style where everything was large panels and big action, you know, from the mm-hmm. old, you know, extreme days. He's like, I love your stuff now because, you know, you're telling great stories with 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 little words. But he's like, don't you want to go back to that fun times? <laughs> like I said, that whole, you know, heavy metal and old extreme Wild you know, um young blood days, you know, back from the early nineties where everything was you know gigantic panels yeah, and gigantic yes, pin-ups. yes. <laughs> so that's why I said, well yeah, you know I'll, I'll hop aboard, so um the first issue came out uh, a few months ago, and I'm wrapping up uh, the second issue right now, I'm like down to one one pa- one page and um and I cover. I'll actually see you guys the cover when i'm uh, finished with it as a preview. But, uh, yeah, I'm just having a pretty good time with it so far. I'll let Marat give the uh, release date. I know he's, like, stressing on me right now on how I need to hurry up and finish the book, you know, for one. <laughs> but I, I, I sent you guys um, some uh, a preview of it, you know, colored pages, and I think preview of the uh, second issue to yeah. draw some interest. Yeah, in
1: just, just looking, you know, at it, the style does definitely remind me, of the big pinup pages from the nineties and the, you know, the, the big, you know, cliffhanger moments or whatever. So yes, you're, you're definitely hitting on the eighties style. (laughs) Yeah, See, that's why I,
2: I, you know, when he, he was trying to feed me some good stuff to, to, to sink me in on, on joining him on it. But, you know, like I said, you know, those old nineties panels, you know, you know, with no words, <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I, you know, I don't think I've outgrown that, you know, you know, when you become as an artist, you know, you always try to adapt and and grow. But, you know, there's some things that you thought were fun in the past that you, you don't want to give up. Even though they're frowned upon nowadays, you know, everybody's making fun of those old 90s books, you know, because there was like one or two panels and no words, you know, that, you know, that's hilarious now. But I I thought it's fun to, you know, go back on old times.
1: I think it's just whatever the medium was calling for at the time, because if you go back to the 50s, Superman was flying around moving planets and Lois was trying to get a date with Superman and that would definitely not fly in modern day comics. I think it's just how the medium changes over time. Yeah. Yeah. So there is something else that you become involved in, and I want to kind of get some ideas of where that came from, because you will be joining in, I believe is it issue eight of the elite Wear Comics's sci-fi, cyberpunk sci-fi comic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's another project I've, um, become a part of. Um, it is Elite Ware. It's by Mike DeCosta. It's another um, Arizona friend. I'm actually joining in. Mike has had six issues out already that have been collected in a trade paperback. And Like you said, it's a cyberpunk, sci-fi um, adventure. And it reminds me, that, like I said, I keep getting these old 80s movies like the uh, Heavy Metal, but this book reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, The Running Man.
0: Ah, yeah.
2: So what this book, this, uh, sci, sci, sci-fi, uh, cyberpunk book is about is is set 600 years in the future, set in like LA. And it remember how the running man had people trapped and they were like gladiators competing for everyone's attentions and everyone's, um, fanfare and notoriety. So that's yeah. what this, uh, elite wear book is about. It's about a family, uh, what is their name? The Nevas. And there is Tia and Diverin. They are two siblings and they're trying to help their family gain freedom. You have sort of like warlords, overlords of different like cities that have gladiators that combat each, combat each other on like, I wouldn't say pay per view, but just, you know, <laughs> to, be broad- <laughs> to be broadcast for the masses, but they're trying to fight for their families of uh, freedom. So you're pretty much like slaves, like you know, sort of like the running man. You're you're held captive, but you want to try to gain your freedom through fights. So this is what this family is is trying to do, and it's a very diverse book. Mike has characters from every walks of life. Like I said I'm I'm picking up and I'm doing uh, the second half of the trade paperback. The first trade paperback has already been released. I'll be doing the follow up. Uh, I have a few few pages. I could send you guys as well for a preview. Mike is gonna, I think, send me a few to that are okay to to let out to everybody to to see. But uh yeah, I've been, you know, like I said, keeping my hands busy during this COVID mass. I didn't say COVID mass. I said COVID mess. <laughs> What's been taking place? Well, it's um, a
1: mass pandemic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I kind of find it funny when I see. um People posting pictures on, you know, how everybody is, uh, staying huddled up in, in quarantine, but they don't realize, you know, as an artist, that's, that's pretty much how we live, you know, so this, this quarantine is no different from us guys. We stay hunkered down on a, on the uh, desk regardless, you know, 24 seven. But like I said, I've been hunkered down trying to stay away from the world and, you know, keeping my hand busy on the uh, pray for the center and, uh, elite wear. Digging through whatever book I can uh, find to read on comicsology, but like I said, since a lot of the stores have been opening up, you know, I've been uh, trying to get books mailed to me,
1: trying to read whatever I can, you know. Now that the books back are back out, so I can't uh, speak for Clarence, but I do have one question from my end. I've noticed in these stories that they pivot more to a mature content. Whereas you know that's not your traditional superhero, do you enjoy it and is it freeing to do more mature type content and is that something that you have found interesting doing
0: well
2: i I guess you know each each person wants to you know expand his field you know and and like i said the the violence uh the things that are taking place in in center and that are taking place in elite wear. Well, I, I don't think they're any different from what took place in Shaft, uh Shaft Imitation of Life that I did with David Walker, you know, a few years back that that, you know, the content that was involved in it was was mature as well. Some of the words, you know, were a little high for teens, but some of the graphics I try to try to keep as much. Off camera and leave to the reader's imagination because I don't want to push the envelope that much. You know, I don't want to uh, show too much skin or show too many bones breaking or show too much violence. You know, I want to keep things where every reader can, you know, grab the book. You know, and you don't want to hide it from
1: your kids. You know, actually, I think that is a smart decision because if someone wants to take it in a more provocative and or mature way let their own mind be the judge of that but then if you are a younger person and you're you aren't haven't been exposed to you know that then you don't see that you know and i think that's a smart decision on your part yeah that's i mean that's sort of how i did with destroyer destroyer
2: had a lot you know that was taking place in it that was really violent and because, you know, it was a horror book, it was a horror comic, but I tried to keep even my style. I tried to keep my style not as detailed and not as realistic in my approach, because, you know, I when certain um, uh scenes take place, you you don't want to make it so graphic and so realistic that is so hard on the eyes. So that's why I tried to keep sort of I didn't want to do too much of an animated style. So I tried to keep it, you know, in the middle. But Certain scenes I tried to act out, you know, you know, like I said, the uh, scene where he's um, walking home, there are certain scenes that you want to give more a realistic, realistic approach. And there's certain scenes where you want to pull back on. And that was a scene where I, I thought, you know, that one needed a more a somber tone. Awesome. That's a book that I'm really proud of. And, you know, like I said, it's just sad that what's taking place right now is. You know, doesn't seem to uh, want to die down in in, in our lifetime.
1: <laughs> well, one thing that I hope that does die down very quickly in our lifetime is so that we can get back to some level of normalcy is the entire COVID-19 so that we can get back to comic stores, get back to a little bit of normalcy. Uh Clarence, do you have anything else before I ask my final question? Go for it, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my final question, Dietrich, is going to be where can people find you on the internet if they would like to find out more about you? And of course we will have links to those places on our show notes. So anywhere that you would like to share that you can be found on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Dietrich O. Smith. That is my handle,
2: I believe on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and on Facebook, I think it is pretty much the same handle uh, on all of
1: those platforms. Well, in a sense of normalcy, we did say that we would keep an honor that we would keep you to 30 minutes because I do know you've got some other obligations this afternoon. The only thing else that I have to say is thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you on. And we look forward to knowing about things that you're going to be working on in the future.
2: Hey, guys, I appreciate uh, talking to you guys again. And hopefully next year, (laughs) hopefully next year, things will be be a little bit under control and I can uh, hang with you guys at a convention
1: again. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. And for everyone listening, we are glad that you are here. We're glad that you're joining us again. Go out. And read these books. They're fantastic. And you will be supporting a fantastic artist. So go out and support and show your support. And with that, we'll be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.